Well, he not only might get in, he did get in, and he's uh, back into Columbus from uh, the New York metropolitan area where he what? had a headline game yesterday. Danny Dimes and the debut Danny of Dwayne Dimes. Haskins, a bonus uh, Buckeye quarterback debut in the National Football League. Redskins and Giants, welcome back, Mr. Spielman. Good to be back. Uh, actually, New York is – I don't go to New York. I stay in Hoboken. Okay. Which is much better than New York. Hoboken well, because the there. game is in uh, East Rutherford. Yeah, right. So yeah. that's that's the thing. Everybody, New York Giants, New York Giants, everybody knows it's New Jersey Jets and the New Jersey Giants. Uh, I don't want people, if you watch that game, I don't want people to judge Dwayne Haskins on that game. Mm-hmm. You cannot put in, and I tried to make this point during the broadcast, you can't judge Dwayne Haskins because he didn't get the reps. Nine of 17, 107 yards, three interceptions, including a pick six. One of them wasn't his fault. The other two were. Mm -hmm. One bounced off a guy's hands. But the timing with the receivers wasn't there. And so we're not going to ask a guy to come in and play if he's not prepared to play or get the first team reps that he needs to get in practice. Now, if you have an experienced backup, Mm -hmm. then maybe you can do that. Chase Daniel. Yeah, Chase Daniel, which was an awful performance by the Vikings. But – with with Dwayne Haskins, it he said it in his post game press conference. It's only going to get better, and I believe Dwayne Haskins. It will get better, but believe me, the Redskins have a whole host of problems yeah. besides Dwayne Haskins. I hope it doesn't happen because I like the guy, and I hate to see anybody lose their job. But I, I think Jay Gruden might be in a little bit of. A little bit of trouble here, so we'll see what happens as the week plays on. Well, Case Keenum was bad, 6 of 11, 37 yards, another inter- uh, another two turnover. Two missed touchdowns, yeah. yeah. Two missed touchdowns. Down 14 to nothing. They go uh, with Dwayne Haskins off the bench, and, uh, you know, the story, I guess, uh, one of the many storylines, there's always storylines in the NFL, is uh, Daniel Jones, 2-0 and now with the uh, New York Giants. He is, Giants. and really, good, I think, has a bright future. Uh <laughs> We do need to pump the brakes on Daniel Jones. He had two bad interceptions yesterday, but he made some nice plays. And the thing he brings, uh, different two different things that he brings to the table if you're a Giants fan or a fan of good quarterbacks. And he, he allows Pat Shermer to add to his playbook, which he couldn't do with Eli Manning because there's bootlegs and things where you can get a quarterback out in space and have him make reads. Well, Eli didn't have that ability to do that. There was one crucial play that Daniel Jones made that I thought sealed the deal for the Giants over the Redskins. It was a third and 14. It looked like he was going to get sacked. He snuck through there and was able to pick up the first down with his feet. So Daniel Jones uh, is a guy that's only going to get better with reps. I, I do think that, you know, in New York especially, they tend to over overreact. Yesterday on the broadcast, I don't know if you had a chance to watch any of it, Bruce, they showed a... They showed a guy with a Daniel Jones jersey, but he still had the price tag on it. In my comment, well, that guy's not committed. That's funny. You know, <laughs> Daniel Jones comes out and loses four in a row. He's got the price tag on. He's going to take the jersey back. But uh, a lot of Browns fans over the years wish they'd have done that. Yeah, but it's but it's exciting, and it's just the NFL, man. It is absolutely insane. Because what I watched, the bits and pieces that I got to watch of the yeah. Cleveland game, it's just it looks like a different team. Sure did. And and. In the biggest difference, two biggest differences in that game was the offensive line mm. played really well. I mean, played as well as they could play. Then, of course, everybody's been clamoring it, and Freddie Kitchens is not immune to listening to outsiders. All of a sudden, uh, 
Nick Chubb is out of the witness protection program. So there you go. Boy, is he ever. Uh, first running back against the Baltimore Ravens to have uh, 150 rushing yards and three touchdowns since uh, 2002. Uh, Nick Chubb's 88-yard run uh, made all the difference uh, in that Browns game because it came after the Ravens had pulled within six. Uh, it is our flashes of fun picture-perfect play of the day, and this is how it sounded on the Cleveland Browns radio network. This is what it's all about when you try and beat these guys in this stadium. Beckham goes wide left, Ratley to the right. Now it's first and 15, and they're back at their 12. Mayfield with Chubb behind him. Mayfield under center on first down. Toss sweep, near side. Here comes Chubb with a cutback. He's out to the 20, 25, 30, 35, 40. Here he goes to the 50. Here goes Chubb. He's going to go. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Nick Chubb. He's got a hat trick. Yeah, three what touchdowns the for the Nick Chubb. Yeah, and uh, I saw that uh, the analytics said he had uh, top speed 21 miles an hour, second fastest speed clock by an NFL player yeah. this year. If he gets in front of you, you're not catching <laughs> No, that's, that's it, I mean, I was watching that, and I saw a Baltimore Raven try to chase him, and it looked like the Baltimore, I, I got no shot yeah. at this. The only thing, the only chance I have is the guy pulls a hamstring as he's running for six points. But, uh, and Joe Schobert, 17 tackles and a sack. I mean, just an all-around great effort by the Browns, and that's, that's why we can only judge a team in the NFL. I mean, this is crazy. I, I understand it. But you being around me and me talking so much NFL is you don't know what you're getting week to week. No, that's why I used to love Rich Eisen. He used to do on his show, maybe still does do, the week-to-week player of the week. <laughs> because good. some weeks there'll be a guy who's great. And I don't know what Jameis Winston did a week ago, but he was great yesterday. Yeah. 55 points for the Bucks. Against the Rams, uh, Freddie Kitchens, one of those guys who a week ago was weak, W-E-A-K, oh, yeah. this week, you know, he's uh, riding high. And the yeah. Browns the Browns lead the division. They're 2-2. Two and two. Ravens are 2-2. Two and two, uh, But they have the tiebreaker. Sure. It's early to think about the tiebreaker. But they that. have it. I mean, a division win on the road is huge. Clash of the Titans tonight with the oh. Steelers and Bengals. I yeah. bet you ESPN is thrilled about that matchup. And uh, I do have the, the Bengals uh, next week, so I hope they win. Winner of that game will be one game out. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? So you have the Bengals next week against? The Cardinals. Your Arizona <laughs> Cardinals. <laughs> wow. The well, Bengals might get a win there. Well, well, I don't know that. <coughs> I can't say that. I'll see how they we play. We just said the week-to-week week player of the week. I, yeah. I shouldn't uh, underestimate Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, who knows what it is. But the other thing, uh, before we get into it, um, I I want to make a point. In, I'm watching a game Saturday night, mm-hmm. and I'm going to ask you this question and see if you feel this way. Are we witnessing history? Are we witnessing the best team in Ohio State history? Well, there's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot I to mean, unpack there. I I think it I think we are. And I, I it takes me a long time to get wow. where I am today, and I have reasons why. Okay, great. I'll uh, tell you after the break. Yeah, after the break, <laughs> of which there are none here on the Spielman and Hooley podcast. And we want to thank our friends at West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating for making the podcast possible. West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating featuring outstanding Lennox high-efficiency products, air conditioning, heating, you name it. The Lennox uh, product line is fantastic. Uh, even if you think, well, there's a room in our house we can't get air conditioning to. No, they have special units where they can get air conditioning to those hard-to-reach places. We have a place like that in our laundry room here at home. So West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating can solve all your problems from a heating and cooling perspective. Uh, 614-879-9606, online at westjeffplumbingandheating.com. And they service all of Central Ohio, so don't be fooled by the name 
West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating. Uh, let's go back to the Browns here momentarily. 40-25 to 25 mm-hmm. over the Ravens. Um, Lamar Jackson, uh, what, lot, what the storyline will be this week is uh, have teams figured out Lamar Jackson because it came at that point in the schedule where when a guy plays poorly, sometimes the tendency is to say, well, now opponents have had a few weeks tape on him and they know how to defend him. I'm not sure it's that simple, but uh, the little bit that you did see, it looked to me like Lamar Jackson has a hard time uh, throwing the ball, what I would call in the intermediate downfield range. He's fine on uh, hitting guys 15 yards and back to the line of scrimmage, and he's got a very good arm to go deep, but that that throw beyond 15, is that a harder portion of the field to read? What will be his challenge there? Well... I think his challenge is you always want to kind of constantly in, improve your accuracy. And for this offense and the Ravens offense to be at its most effective, and it's cliche, but it's true. I mean, they have to be able to run the ball with some type of Do they of have to be able to play from ahead? It seemed to me yesterday, boy, yeah. when the Browns got up two scores You would on think, them, right? If you, if, you know, if you get down two scores and you got to start slinging it to get back in it, <laughs> I think that certainly makes sense. And I don't know if Lamar Jackson – is built that way, but before we start dumping on Lamar Jackson, you need to dump on that Ravens defense because the Browns did something, as you said, that nobody has done since when? As far as getting 100 2002, yards. a 150 Two? rusher with three TDs. 2002. That's something. A long time. And that, again, hats off to the game planning, the play calling. If we're going to rip Freddie for bad play calling, you yeah. give him credit for great play calling. That's week to week in the NFL. It changes. And so, uh, but your point is valid. Where if you're going to ask Lamar Jackson to be your guy to bring you from two back, uh, no, I don't know if you want to bet on that guy. But if That's you're a asking hard for way a guy, to win in the NFL, man, it, it, to it, never it, be down two scores. I mean, in a league where quarterbacks bring you back all the time, and you have to have that guy who can just you know go make it happen. I didn't see that. Very from him. very few teams really have that guy to to do that. Well, the elite teams do. Well, I mean, can you do it more than once? And and yeah, I, I think. Talking about elite was the Kansas City Chiefs, who were lucky to go. beat the Detroit Lions. But great teams somehow get lucky a lot. They oh, win they that got ball Patrick game. Mahomes. You're going to get lucky a lot if you have a great quarterback. Oh, he's so good. And the Lions did a great job. They held the Chiefs, I believe, to 24 offensive yeah. points. Right? They yeah. got a break. I don't know if anybody saw this. I just happened to look at it this morning, where Galladay seemed to bobble the ball, thought it was a touchdown. Next play, Carrion Johnson fumbles at the one. Nobody hears it. The Chiefs player, being alert, picks it up and goes 100 yards for the score. So play to the whistle. Play to the whistle. Through the whistle. Through the whistle. Speaking of playing through the whistle, apparently the Michigan Wolverines uh, listened to my pep talk I gave them last they week. They must have. They got a guy fired for crying they out did. loud. 52 to nothing, Michigan over uh, Rutgers and Chris Ash. Uh, gets fired. Although Chris Ash, I said yesterday on Twitter, if you got fired and uh, they owed you seven and a half million dollars, and Take Rutgers it. was a team that fired you, wouldn't you feel like you won the lottery? I Where mean, do I sign? <laughs> I mean, he's freed from a really difficult place to win. He's eight and thirty-two, uh, three plus seasons, one and three this year. He was the defensive co-coordinator with Luke Fickle on the twenty fourteen national championship team and the twenty fifteen team that you know surprised by Michigan State at home and otherwise was a juggernaut. He's 45 years old, Chris S. He's got a lot of coaching ahead of him here. And the thought is, I saw this written yesterday. I don't know if it's true. Uh, if true, as we always say, yes. the uh, media reports, 
that Greg Schiano agreed to become the New England Patriots defensive coordinator, and then the Rutgers people said, hey, look, by the way, when we fire Chris Ash, which we're probably going to do, you're going to be our coach. Belichick and Schiano didn't want that change to come now in the right. middle of a season, and so Schiano just backed out and has just been sitting and waiting. Greg Schiano back to Rutgers where he was there 11 years and he was 68 and 67. That's not official, but that's what everyone expects to happen. Well, I mean, that's the first thing I thought of. I don't think Greg Schiano's done coaching, and that would make sense. Well, I, I mean, he's he's what the most successful <laughs> coach in Rutgers history, or close to it, right? Yeah, that's a that's a short list of candidates well, for that description. You know, and the thing about Greg, what he was able to do, and I don't think Chris was able to duplicate this, was he was able to recruit the state of Rutgers, as he yeah. called it, and kept New Jersey players in New Jersey. And anybody that knows anything understands that there's a wealth of talent in the state of New Jersey yep. as far as high school football goes. Yeah. Jabril Peppers, a New Jersey kid. I mean, they're Big all, six yesterday, by the way. Six. Off Dwayne Haskins. Yes. Michigan man. Um, Michigan man. Yes. Picking a Buckeye. This is how it sounded with Tom Brenneman and Chris Spielman on the call. Second down, play fake to Thompson. And across the middle, and it's intercepted by Jabril Peppers. He will go to the end zone. So too bad he didn't do that uh, if you're a Michigan fan. Too bad he didn't do no. any of that while he was at Michigan against Ohio State. But, uh, you know, looked to me like Dwayne Haskins was throwing off his back foot too often. Well, you, I mean, you have to be able to make those throws off your back foot, Bruce, and, and because there's so much pressure. Uh, that quarter, Not all the time, but, you know, one thing I, I did put up a list of things that I think make a great NFL quarterback, and I narrowed it to three. Or things that I think that Daniel Jones possesses. And the first one on the list was being able to be accurate off balance because I see all the great quarterbacks are accurate uh, off balance when they have to be, whether it's uh, Aaron Rodgers, whether it's Patrick Mahomes. I mean, these guys can make throws where their body doesn't have to be married to the target. Give me uh, your assessment of Dwayne Haskins' first performance. As I said, 9 of 17, 107. You can't throw three interceptions. One was a batted ball. Uh, he didn't look, to I'm, me, uncomfortable. The Sporting yeah. News put out a thing last night, every throw Dwayne Haskins made. And there were times I was like, yeah, there's Ohio State Dwayne Haskins. He looked very comfortable in the pocket. Uh, he looked a lot more mobile than he was at Ohio State. That's, that's the thing that surprised me, that first run that he had, when he <laughs> saw the green and took the green. It's not fair to give him an assessment. To be honest with you, it's not. I, I can't. I'm not going to give a guy. Okay, you don't get any reps or, or very few reps. He got a few reps with the ones. Jay Gruden said. A yeah, few. I know. I not like he would. I, if he was I, I realize that, but that's not going to prepare you to play a game and have your first NFL experience and disregard preseason. That's all vanilla. Yeah, you can't assess and grade this guy based off of that performance because you didn't give him a chance to succeed. Now, if he ends up, I th I think Jay Gruden, if he stays, I think Colt McCoy is going to be the starting quarterback when Colt is healthy enough. Health came, Colt came off the injured list last week, was practicing last week, is really far behind. But I don't know if Daniel Snyder, I don't know what the deal is. I don't know who's calling the shots. It's a, it's a circus down there. I have no idea what's going on. But I know this. If I'm starting Dwayne Haskins and he's getting every single rep possible to get the timing down of what an NFL uh, with his receivers – with the offensive line, with the running back, and give him every opportunity to succeed. I'll say this: he didn't look overwhelmed. No, you know, I and, and I do think that, you know, he's got to understand he's not throwing to Ohio State wide receivers 
versus Rutgers defensive backs. Yeah, that's for sure. He's not doing that. And so he'll learn, but I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and give an assessment because I don't have enough information to give an educated assessment. What's the best thing for Dwayne Haskins right now? The New England Patriots are next. So Gruden was non-committal after, but you know how this is. When you draft a guy twelfth and you're struggling, and your starting quarterback, Case Keenum, is turning it over a lot. I think he's turned it over six times in two weeks. Uh, it's pretty hard to go away from the rookie because the rookie is perceived to be the future, and the future is now. If you're struggling like the Washington Redskins, what's the best thing for Dwayne Haskins right now in light of what you saw yesterday in light of the fact the Patriots are next? So they have six offensive starters out. Six. Counting Trent Williams, who's in the holdout. That's six. Your best receiver happens to be Ohio State rookie Terry McLaurin. Mm -hmm. Out. Jordan Reed, who's a nightmare matchup at tight end slash receiver. Out. Brandon Sheriff, an all-pro guard. Out. Uh, Rulier, starting center, out. Uh, Darius Geis, who was a better option, Adrian Peterson at this point in yeah. their careers, out. So am I going to put Dwayne Haskins in there with six backups and say, all right, Dwayne, go wow me? I don't know if I want to do that right now. Yeah, I don't think I would. I mean, that's I mean, that's what that's the that's the story that nobody talks about. You know, you just think throw the guy in there, he'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, this is a long-term investment. And so you want to give your long-term investment every opportunity to succeed. Now, I can get it if you have one or two guys missing or out, but you're playing with six, essentially six backups. Are you going to put him in there and say, all right, go have at it? If you do, then give him every single rep. I mean, I think it's something that you, I, if I were coaching, I would certainly think about. But I still think it's the obligation of a head coach to play the guy that gives you the absolute best opportunity to win the football game. That's simple. Yeah, well, and that may be Dwayne Haskins in light of the way Case Keenum is playing. Speaking of backups and not being a deterrent to winning, boy, shout out to Steve Wilkes, the Browns defensive coordinator. He, uh, with a cobbled-together secondary, did a phenomenal job on Monday night against the L.A. Rams. And again yesterday, the Browns defense was lights out against the Baltimore Ravens, and the Browns get the win 40-25. to you were right earlier. It just everything looked different. Uh, Baker Mayfield, twenty of thirty, three forty-two. Jarvis Landry had a big day, eight for one sixty-seven before he left with a concussion. Odell Beckham was largely a decoy, but a very functional decoy because they doubled him. Now That's what we'll you see get? If, we'll see if Odell's happy now with two <laughs> catches for twenty yards, which is what we said uh, in the in the preseason. Was how would he handle it when he served as a decoy? And it looks like they found something for David Njoku and Ricky Seals Jones. Caught a couple nice balls, third and three touchdown. That's a great play call by Freddie Kitchens. They got Ricky Seals-Jones open and as yep. easy a TD as you're ever going to see on third and three in the red zone against the Ravens. And as we mentioned, Nick Chubb with a big day. So, boy, the Browns look really, really good. But it doesn't get any easier for them. They're at San Francisco a week from tonight. Coming off a bye week, the 49ers Then are. it's the Seahawks at home. Then a bye week for the Browns, then at the Patriots and at Denver, which the legend of Gardner Minshew continues. He leads the Jags down the field in the <laughs> final minute after Denver thought they'd gotten their first win. Gardner Minshew that? says, not today, Denver. How about that? I mean, it's just amazing. Seventh round pick. How, and well, yeah. And, you know, we talk about backups, right? Do we? And Gardner Minshew was thrown in there, but Gardner Minshew had all his guys, yeah. is all I'm saying. And he's had uh, preparation when he did come in. He played really well. So, I don't know. I mean, it's so hard to predict and make. You can make an argument on when to play a guy, when not to play a guy. We hear that every single week, right? I think Gardner Minshew is surrounded by a little bit more talent 
than what Dwayne Haskins is surrounded by. But the best thing about the Browns, where I knew it was going to be a game, first series, what they do? Scored, right? Yes. On the road. Yeah. They threw the first punch, and they played with a chip on their shoulder. Here's what I'm about ready to change my whole thought process. It seems to me that when Freddie and Baker start punching down, Meaning they, they commenting at Rex, at Rex Ryan yeah, and all that yeah, stuff. When yeah, they, when they do that, I think... I, I, freeze I, them up I, to I, let I, their I, talent go? Yeah, I think, I, Maybe. Think it, I think it goes against all the rules that I used to have. Why are you punching down? Yeah. Concentrate think, on you know, winning. Anything that takes energy away from winning is unproductive yeah, no, energy. That, Maybe I, for them it's not Let's throw all the rules out for the Browns. Can we do that? Can we? <laughs> You've done that years ago. I have. I, I will say this. Um, I do think they're going to win the division. I don't think they're going to win the division because they're a team that has arrived yet. But uh, this next little stretch, look, it's going to be very difficult. These next four games are very difficult. Now, you can't go 0-4. Right. But I think if you come out of this 2-2, two and two, I, I watched the Ravens yesterday, and I don't believe in the Baltimore Ravens, as I've said. No, I know you don't. I don't yeah. believe in Lamar Jackson. I don't believe you can win long-term in the NFL by running the ball. I don't believe you can win long-term in the NFL by having to play ahead. Those are all things that are true of the Baltimore Ravens. The Bengals, I don't believe in the Bengals, and I don't believe in the Steelers with Ben Roethlisberger out. So I think I picked the Browns to win the division sure. at this point in the season more by process of elimination <laughs> because, I mean, Nick Chubb, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Baker Mayfield. Right now they got everybody. Yeah, it's it's so unpredictable. Uh, I think if they're 5-3 and three at the break, then they win the division. They win the division. If they're 5-3 and three at the break, they win the division at the halfway point. Yeah. Uh, they have not won the division, by the way, in 30 years. This is their first lead in the division in five years. The last time was after a giddy Thursday night win over the Bengals in Cincinnati where Andy Dalton was horrendous and Brian Hoyer was great. And then, of course, Ray Farmer, the GM, couldn't wait to jam Johnny Manziel in the lineup, and everything went south from there. So we'll see how Are the Browns you, uh, do on If Monday the Browns night. win a division, you back in? Oh, I'm back in now. Oh, I'm back in. Now. I thought you took a long I walk. Tweeted, I took. Well, I took a long walk many <laughs> you, years ago. Did you t- retake I, the walk? To re- no, take it back. No, I'm not gonna. I mean, this is the best chance we've had in years. So I will say this. Oh about, man, dude! I, I, I just about, heard the we. That's wee. it. That's yeah. <laughs> it's a mouse in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this: that I am one thing. I am completely apart from Browns fans on. Most Browns fans love the all-brown uniform. I hate I their all-brown uniform. I thought yesterday was their best look, except I didn't like the socks they had yesterday. I forget if they were orange or white or brown, but they the white jersey is a much better look for the Browns. Yeah, I like is. the all-whites. It's iconic. So, yeah, so there we go. All right, good for the Browns. Uh, San Francisco off a of bye week. Monday night football. Good week team. Tonight. Monday night football tonight. Bengals and Steelers. Uh, Andy Dalton is number two in the NFL in passing yards. The Steelers are number three in completions allowed. Uh, I would expect the Bengals will throw it a lot in Pittsburgh tonight, and maybe against Mason Rudolph they can get a W. I think it's it's very possible. I think the the Bengals have more than one issue. We talk about offensive line. I think the offensive line for the Bengals is banged up. Unfortunately, Michael Jordan, who earned a starting job, was injured the, the game that I did um, against the uh, – I don't even know who it was against. Who was it against? You, Niners. Was it the Niners? Bengals, Niners. Okay, yeah, Niners against the Niners. Dominated them. Yeah, I mean, that was a, that was a butt one. But that's, that happens in the NFL. And, look, you have to have a short memory in the NFL. And, and it's not like college football, though. I think the one thing that is attractive or interesting about college football when you're watching the Alabamas, Ohio State's uh, – 
the Georgias. I mean, those are the top four teams, yep. right? Yep. And who else is up in there? Uh, uh, the AP poll, Buckeyes move up one spot there Clemson. to number four. Bama's one, Clemson's two off its one-point win over North Carolina. Georgia three, Buckeyes four, LSU five. The, a- the coaches poll has Bama one, Clemson two, Georgia three. So those are all the same. Then the coaches have Oklahoma four, Ohio State five. So that's the uh, difference. Buckeyes four in the AP, five in the coaches. I don't put any cred into the coaches' poll. That's some GA. The SID poll? Yeah. The uh, general, uh, the uh, graduate assistant poll because the coaches are too busy to watch games or vote. Well, they are. It's it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I mean, it doesn't make sense. And and to have this charade that carries some type of weight, it's a joke. But I guess my point is the difference between college football and in the NFL is in the NFL. Okay, can we get two or three in a row? You know that's that's yeah. what you're in in college football. You're looking at Bama, Clemson, who almost got knocked off by North Carolina, Georgia, OSU, and LSU, and Oklahoma. Who's going to beat them? Are they going to have a stub? And, and that's why every game is so important in college football. And that's why I look at this Ohio State team, and I'm going to predict this: over the last two years, Ohio State's had very bad losses to Iowa and Purdue. I don't think this team has that in them. I really don't. Well, this team doesn't have that in them because there's no team out there that is. Wisconsin's out there. Yeah, but they're in Columbus. As I, I said okay. many times, they're not winning here. I'm just, that's, I don't. By the way, the Wisconsin Badgers scored all of one touchdown on Saturday offensively, two defensively. Northwestern with a three-man front yeah. handled Wisconsin at Wisconsin. Yeah. By the way, Pat Fitzgerald's going for two on random touchdowns in the second half, just inexplicable. Okay. I don't get it. I don't know, but they have zero quarterback play at Northwestern. They have zero quarterback play. All right, but my point is I still think anytime you bring a player like Jonathan Taylor in here, it's it's a dangerous team. I'm not saying they're going to be favored or they're going to lose it. I'm just that's the one concern. I'm not concerned with Michigan State. I think should you be. They had to struggle to beat Indiana on Saturday. Yeah, they, they found a way to win that one. Don't be fooled by the 10-point margin. Michigan State had to, like, go yeah. down the field on a 44-yard scramble and kick a field goal to go up by one, and then they got a – or up two, and then they got a last play fumble Ruski touchdown. Are you are you in agreement with me that we're witnessing maybe the greatest team in Ohio State history? Well – That's a big listen, statement. That's a big statement because, uh, A, they haven't played a ranked opponent yet, and they're going to play mm-hmm. one in Michigan State, although, wow – Michigan State's the 25th best team in the country. What kind of country are we? Uh, because I just don't believe in Michigan State. Ohio State, I said this on the postgame podcast Saturday night, they're going to go undefeated in the regular season. And if Justin Fields gets hurt, they're still going to go undefeated in the regular season. The only difference is now instead of winning 48-7, to they might win 42-7. to <laughs> Uh, they're that dominant. Aren't they good, man? Because Ryan Day is a phenomenal play caller. Uh, they have a two-headed monster at tailback and the reason they have a two-headed monster is because they have a five-headed monster and maybe even a, a more more than a five-headed monster on the offensive line it's the they best have the right offensive tackles line out and they put josh Allaby in and they just mowed nebraska down uh their wide receivers look bama's got great wide receivers they may have three better wide receivers than ohio state has three better wide receivers, yeah. but I'll put the depth of the Ohio State receiving core up oh, against anybody. It's not even close, dude. It's not even close. Here's the thing about the offensive line. I don't know if it's the five best individuals in Ohio State history, but I think I can make an argument early on, and again, it's a week-to-week assessment and a week-to-week judgment, that this offensive line 
there might have been groups that uh, um, have been just as good as this offensive line, but none has played better as a group, not as individuals. I mean, I'm not going to take away some of the great individuals that played offensive line at Ohio State, but as a group, I mean, Herbie said it in his broadcast, and he was exactly right, and we said it after the Florida Atlantic game that the one thing that stood out to me above all else Mm -hmm. was that offensive line. And what I love about them is that they are as mean and as nasty in a clean, efficient way, not dirty, but they finish, man. Yeah, they do. They, it's almost like they're playing with some type of point to prove, <clears throat> excuse me, or they're playing, they're playing very angry with controlled rage. <laughs> and that's the mentality that you want from an offensive line. Well, they're impressive. And uh, the thing about Nebraska, I, I said this um I don't know how you play that well. I'm being facetious. I don't know how you play that well with a business suit on under your uniform because that was just a business trip. It was come out, Okuda interception, a great interception, 50 yards touchdown. Then it was force a punt, touchdown. Then it was interception again, shadow your own goal line, drive down, get a field goal, then touchdown, touchdown. I mean, just business-like. Like, we're here to do business. I know you got your nice little rebirth story, Nebraska. I know you got a full stadium. I know you're all holding your red balloons and you're on national TV, and this is the moment you're supposed to prove you've arrived. But, no, we're here for business, and our business is just annihilating you, and that's what they did, 38 nothing. And here's the measure to me of how good I think Ohio State is. They're up 38 nothing, and they get the ball midfield, and there's less than a minute to go, and I'm stunned they didn't score another touchdown. Yeah, because they almost had Olave just a, they're a fingertip away from forty-five nothing at halftime, and I bet every Ohio State fan who's watched this team was thinking, "Oh, we got forty-five seconds and we're at midfield. We're scoring." Yeah, that's the expectation <laughs> that's, because of how well they're playing. That's why I posed that question to you, Bruce. And here's another reason why I posed it because I was thinking about it driving out of here to the hinterlands. Yes, yeah, the hinterlands. Uh, I've never had as Many people ask me, and this has happened every single week by some individual, whoever maybe. Is this t- is Ohio State really that good? I mean, people don't even follow football, and they always ask me, "Are they that good, or is the other team that bad?" And I said, uh, "Yeah, there's both can be true, and and I I do think that Nebraska is not as bad as they played, just athletically. I mean, they can't keep up. I mean, if they'll hit you here, they'll hit you there." Who do you stop? Who do you defend? And when Justin Fields gets it running like he's getting it running, which we didn't really see until now, that's a it's it's a nightmare matchup for any defensive coordinator to prepare for because they have so much talent. It's just unbelievable. And so does Alabama, by the way. So does Alabama. They do. Um, first, to your point, are they the greatest Ohio State team ever? I mean, that to me, I just can't. I can't give that yet. I can't even entertain that conversation because it's disrespectful to the great teams they've had. Why is it disrespectful? 68. I mean, first of all, some of the grading of the great teams that you have are how great are the players. Well, how great are the players? And whether it's true or not, we grade the players by what do they do after they leave Ohio State. So when I'm looking at the 68 team, you know, a lot of those guys played in the NFL a long time. The 75 team with Archie Griffin, they played in the NFL a long time. The 2002 team have started a ton of guys. Uh, on defense who played in the NFL, the 98 team, you know, Katz and Moyer and uh, Antoine Winfield and David Boston and all those guys. I mean, I just, what do these guys do? Now, it's not that I doubt that they'll have great NFL futures. They will. And I know that it's about what you do in college. The other part of it is you hit on it. 
I'm enough of an old school traditionalist that I believe the talent at other places in previous years and decades was better than it is right now mm-hmm. because man there's just nobody on their schedule that can hang with them you know if you play uh, Michigan and Nebraska and some of those teams in the uh, 80s and 90s you got a much different deal than you do right now I'm not sure that there'll be another team off this Ohio State schedule that will emerge this season as a top 10 team so they will be tested in January um, and the thing about I, I would say right now, if you're going to bet a team to be undefeated and be number one in the college football playoff hierarchy going into the playoff, bet Ohio State. Uh, because Clemson is just not playing well. No. They remind me of Ohio State. He's not playing well. Uh-uh. They remind me of Ohio State in 2015. Hangover from winning the title the year before, for whatever reason. Alabama, you look at the top seven, Bama, Georgia, LSU, Auburn. Well, they're all going to play each other, and the odds are none of them are coming out of it unscathed. So they're probably somebody over there might have a loss. Ohio State's not going to have a loss. So Ohio State looks like they might be number one going into the playoff. Some of my grading of a team is, did you get the opportunity to prove how great you are against a great team? And for yeah. me, at this stage, Ohio State won't get that opportunity until January. I, I get on board with that. <laughs> I'm just telling you, as far as total team whether it's special teams whether it's offense whether it's defense I don't think I I don't really recall a team starting four games like this and here's here's the other thing Justin Fields I didn't know what we were getting but I could tell you this I didn't expect this I didn't expect how good he is I, I I had no idea I mean where he's throwing the football and where he's placing the football and how he's seeing it and he's only getting better and better and better in this defense, Bruce. This defense is dominant. Uh, now, this, they had a little bit of an adjustment when when Nebraska went old school on them, started running eye-backs and speed option and counter option and quick fullback traps. But it, it didn't really matter. I mean, well, They season, just threw an extra linebacker out there. Did you there see Pete Werner, by the way? I, I knew that would be did your you favorite him? play from the game. Did you see him? I Thank did. you. Okay. So here we go. Chris Spielman's favorite play. <laughs> From Saturday night's game, as called by Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet on ESPN. Week has good quickness on the inside. Here he comes again. Oh my goodness! Warner just popped the ball carrier. You can hear that 12 stories above the field up here. Watch him lower the boom here. Listen to him. He got sandwiched. Warner hit him from the front, and that knocked Robinson backwards. Boom. Boom. I just so go ahead. I told you no, so. Go ahead. No, I just you know I told I try to tell people Pete Warner is going to get drafted in the NFL. By the way, yeah, yes, a lot of these guys are. But the beautiful thing about that hit was his head was up, his eyes. He hit with his eyes. It was so good. It was, I mean, it was just awesome. That made my whole weekend. By the way, uh, Justin Fields. 15-yard touchdown run, uh, three touchdown passes. The throw to Garrett Wilson uh, made him a lot of money, as that was a real (laughs) nice NFL throw. The throw to Austin Mack was a nice throw, and Austin Mack with a great catch, wrestling it away, tandem possession from the Nebraska DB. And, um, boy, they're just... uh, A friend of mine texted me Friday night, and he said, any team in the country, I'll take Ohio State. They're just a dump truck going downhill. They are. And look, could you imagine being a Big Ten 
head coach and a defensive coordinator. How about Mark D'Antonio trying to figure out a way uh, to score enough points to keep up with Ohio State Saturday They're going to be able to do it. No, they're not. It's going to be an embarrassment. I'll, I'll do, like, if I'm going, I'm D'Antonio, and I'm walking into the staff meeting <laughs> this morning, by the way. And I'm sitting down. All right, man, here's the deal. We got to play absolutely perfect football. No penalties. We got to make about 10 plays that we're probably incapable of making. And they have to have about four turnovers. And hopefully we can get a field goal in the end to win it. Yeah. <laughs> so good luck. Go get them. And by the way, stop seven wide receivers off the bench. J.K. Dobbins, Master Teague, find a way to penetrate that offensive line that's playing at a very high level. And how come it's it's not fair that Ohio State gets Justin Fields, yeah. <laughs> who nobody thought was this good? No, I didn't think Go he was get this him, boys. good. I didn't think he was I this I. good. I had I'll, no idea. I'll say one thing we shouldn't overlook. Uh, Ryan Day's a great play caller, and Ryan Day is pressing every right button with this team. How about Ryan Day's evaluation skills on quarterback? I mean, go back. He has Tate Martell and Matthew, Matthew Baldwin in his quarterback room, and Justin Fields enters the transfer portal. And so at that point in time, Ryan Day's the head coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes, and he's not a dumb guy. He knows if he brings Justin Fields in, he might lose one. I don't think he thought he'd lose both. I think Baldwin was a total surprise. But he had to know, yeah, probably Martell's probably not going to take this very well. Ryan Day has the confidence in his evaluation skills to say, no, no, Justin Fields makes us special. Let's go get Justin <laughs> Fields. The evaluation skills to look at, because, look, I watched Georgia last year. He didn't look anything like this. <laughs> He looked nothing like this. Right now, Justin Fields is thrown for a thousand, well, eleven hundred yards, sixteen touchdowns, no interceptions. That's amazing. And he's completing seventy percent of his passes. And he's just getting started running the football. And by that's the way. coaching. That yeah. is coaching right there. Ryan and Day's coaching it out of him. I told you in I don't wanna revisit Far from me from being a revisionist, but I told you Ryan Day was the best play caller that I've ever seen. If I don't know if you remember you me sharing that story, well, maybe did. five, five or ten times. <laughs> J.K. Dobbins averaging seven yards that's a it? carry. That's, that's that's it. Come on, pick that's it up, baloney. J.K. Let's go, J.K. Uh, Master Teague averaging six point three. Two more touchdowns for him. <laughs> And the wide receiving core, I mean, four guys with double-figure catches. Garrett Wilson's there with eight, and he's got to wait his turn to get on the field. So, you know, I mean, they're just like – Garrett Wilson would be the number one threat for the Michigan State Spartans. He'd, He'd be, be the number one threat for the Washington Redskins. Yeah, I mean, just just nuts. Jamison Williams is down there, two catches, waiting to just knock people's heads off on special teams. He'd be a starting wide receiver at Michigan State. I mean, they are just they're, – they're loaded. Yeah, it's – So uh, – they're not going to lose a game in a regular season. I don't see it happening. But the other thing it seems like with this football team is they're 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 locked in mentally. Yes. It's almost they're proving a point. I don't know what the point is. They're proving a point. They're taking it to a new level. I have not seen an offense like this perform like this with this type of consistency in a lot of years. And people are know. taking notice. Four games in, I get it. Yeah. I I. I mean, a game or two in, I was like, okay, maybe we ought to pump the brakes. But the more you see it, the more I just have to ask myself, all right, I'm looking at other teams around the country. Who do I see that can give them trouble? And on their schedule, I don't see anybody. Penn State over Maryland, but I think that's more about Maryland than it is Penn State. Yeah. And again, Penn State comes in here. Penn State's in here. Michigan's up there. Michigan, uh, Michigan. No, not happening. Here, here, here's what the, the, the biggest difference between this year's team and last year's team, and Dwayne Haskins had 50 touchdowns last year. The biggest difference is the defense. I mean, this defense is 
unbelievable. Yes, it is. I mean, the Deep, corners. Nasty. Corners are really good. Arnett, Akuda, The nickel guys. Wade. Fuller, great interception by Fuller. The, the, yeah. the, I don't even want to call it the front four. I'll, I, I think I'll call it the front 15 yeah. are pretty good. It's new guy after new guy after new guy. And Chase Young is the guy that you have to – Chase Young is playing like we thought Nick Bosa would play last year. Yeah. And he, you have to have two guys on Chase Young, oh. and everybody else becomes better because you can't devote yeah. the attention to them that you want to devote to them. Good luck. And people are taking notice. Uh, they got four number one votes from the coaches – they had none the week before. They got seven number one votes in the uh, writers and broadcasters poll, and I think that'll continue to grow as they continue to dominate, and I have no doubt that they will continue to dominate. All right, uh, you can review our podcast by going to pleasereviewmypodcast.com, search Spielman and Hooley. That really helps us. Did you see the uh, review that I posted on uh, my Twitter from my favorite review from our uh, reviews on Apple Podcasts? No, do you have it? Uh, I will find you don't, it. I mean, you're the CEO. I, I don't get all this stuff. You get all this stuff. You sell. You Apparently, you're the one getting paid. So. Not yet. Nobody's <laughs> getting paid yet. Trust me on that. We'll eventually get there. Uh, all right. Let me uh, start with an email. Okay. Uh, and you can email the show, Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, this email comes from Texas. From Scott in Texas. Hey, guys. Love listening to you. I was wondering, and I'm sure your audience would like to know, what authors, preachers, theologians do you read and listen to that you would recommend? So uh, who do you like, Spiels? The guy, the author slips my mind, and I, I can see the book. I've read it, and it's it's fictional books, but it's 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 not the Left Behind series. That's a whole different conversation mm-hmm. with me but it's fictional books and it's about angels versus demons uh warfare uh peretti not is it yeah, frank peretti frank uh, this present darkness yeah which i think those books were phenomenal and i think he's tremendous um i just read a book uh about uh the struggles of of being a, um, defining yourself as a man uh I have it in a car, and I forgot the name of that. So there you go. My short-term memory is gone. I'll have the name for that tomorrow. Wednesday. Uh, preachers, uh, I don't, I'm not a big listen-to-a-lot-of-sermons type of guy. I'm more of a guy that uh, trusts myself in, in, in doing my own personal Bible studies. I do go to one Bible study when I can make it. Uh and I go to uh, church on every, every Sunday, or when I'm on the road, I go Friday mornings. So I just listen to everybody that has a, a good topic. But uh, I would say Frank Peretti was probably the guy that I enjoyed most because I, I really do believe in that spiritual warfare, and mm-hmm. I think people are naive if they don't think there's spiritual warfare going on. Uh, that is very naive. The Bible says it's going on, and uh, when you look at our world and the compromises that we're making and a lot of the inexplicable things that happen and mm-hmm. mass shootings and mental illness and things like that, it's uh, no doubt that it's going on. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, as for me, uh, I love Charles Swindoll. I listen to him almost every day, Insight for Living. Uh, John MacArthur, uh, Grace to You, gty.org. Uh, occasionally listen to... Uh, Pathway to Victory uh, with uh, Robert Jeffers. Uh, I make use of the fact that, uh, shout out uh, WRFD Radio, 880 AM. They have great sermons all day long. 
uh, and great uh, programs like Family Life Today and things like that. I just try, you know, there's uh, the old saying, garbage in, garbage out. Uh, I can and have many times over the years uh, occupied myself by listening to uh, political talk, news talk, Mm -hmm. sports talk. Uh, I find that um, while I justified that by saying, well, it's show prep, you know, I need to be informed. And I still do occasionally dial it up to find out what's going on. But the garbage in, garbage out thing, if I'm putting into my mind, renewing my mind, as uh, the Bible says, you know, uh, renew your mind on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, a minute-by-minute basis. If I'm putting good things in, good thoughts, good instruction, um, good teaching, uh, it, it gives me a more peaceable approach to life and also feeds uh, feeds my spiritual understanding. Yeah. So those are all things well, you that... Need, I, you I, need to do that. Authors, I... Years and years and years ago, when I rededicated my life to Christ, uh, became uh, um, someone who listened to Charles Stanley every day. Mm-hmm. Charles Stanley's son, Andy Stanley, uh, I find insightful on leadership topics, not so much on spiritual topics. He's kind of, um, Andy Stanley doesn't go real deep on the spiritual side, but on his leadership. Michael Hyatt on leadership is really, really good. Uh, former publisher of uh, Thomas Nelson Publishers, now uh, with his own uh, company on leadership. Michael Hyatt is really good. I like when I listen to leadership podcasts. I like to listen to guys who are believers because they're yeah. going to come at it from the same perspective that I do. There's a uh, one show I do listen to. It's uh, called Seize the Day with Gus Lloyd. So, just the different things. I, I like to always kind of, you know, I get frustrated. I get frustrated with the. Uh, politics of our world I get frustrated uh, with myself so I just kind of need to reset and mm-hmm. hit the reset button and it's I, I think uh, naive of me to think that I got everything under control and I've learned over the years through experience that I need to probably hit the reset button every single morning if I don't then my thought process how I respond to certain situations throughout the day is not something by the end of the day, if I sit back and like a film review or tape review of a team, I sit back and do a film review of myself. Uh, When I don't hit a reset button spiritually every morning, I tend not to be the best version of myself throughout the day. Yeah. Uh, Ditto for me Uh, this morning. Um, I just came down to the basement here, all the lights off, and just sat in the dark just for five minutes and just sat down. The first thing I said as I sat down was, Lord, thank you for this opportunity this morning to just learn more about you. Just put me in the right mindset for my day. Uh, Help what I say to be pleasing and to further your kingdom in some way, shape, or form. And I just sat there quietly for like five minutes. Uh, just trying to quiet myself. I wish I could do that. I can't can't sit quietly. My mind just races, man. I'm trying. Okay. I mean, I, I know your heart. I know you're, I know you're seeking right. that. I wish I could sit yeah. quietly. I can maybe do it for two minutes or three minutes. I would like to get up to a half hour where I can just sit and, as they say, uh, just listen. And, and it's really hard for me. That's a challenge that I face, and now I continue to. The good thing is I'm aware of it, and I'm trying to do something about it. And that's that's something that I hope encourages people that – you know, when you are a spiritual person or you have uh, the Holy Spirit inside of you, then the good thing is we're made aware of where we need yes, we are. to improve. And yeah. that that's the blessing. 
that yeah, you're aware, then you do something about that. It's having God inside you basically whispering to you, hey, you need more of this, less yeah. of this, so all that. Uh, here's the review that you're going to love, okay? Mm-hmm. On pleasereviewmypodcast.com, it's on Apple iTunes, uh, but you can go just the website, pleasereviewmypodcast.com backslash Spielman and Hooley or search Spielman and Hooley. Mm-hmm. Uh, late last week, and it read like this. Spielman is, of course, great. Yes. Insightful. <laughs> yes. Insightful and passionate. Of course. <clears throat> I could listen to him breaking down fixing a sink. Oh, that's nice. And Thank it'd you. be interesting. Hooley is a dullard, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> who talks about his faith while being an ardent MAGA toad. <sighs> so Man. there we go. That's my favorite podcast. I, I, that's my I, favorite review. I, I mean, we, we I don't understand <laughs> that because we ba- basically... Um, say the same things. Uh, I certainly talk about our faith, and this podcast is about our faith. And regardless of where you fall politically, I have one rule. I'm on Team America. Yeah, I want a Team America to prosper. I want our country to prosper. That's what I'm interested in. Uh, I'm a um, supporter, obviously a pro, a huge pro-life guy. I believe in that wholeheartedly. I believe in uh, our, our people working. I just want everybody in America to prosper. Everybody says, oh, you're Team Trump or Team Biden or Team Warren or where do you fall politically? I'm Team America. Always have been, always will be. And uh, I want our country to be, to be successful. I want our people in our country and our citizens and to, to stand for something and to prosper. That's what I want. And I don't care who it is. That's what I want. Amen to that. Uh, that'll do it for this edition of the Spielman and Hooley podcast. We're back Wednesday with more. We'll be able to reflect on the Bengals and the Steelers on Monday night. We'll uh, set up Michigan State and Ohio State. I'm sure there'll be NFL storylines. Maybe by then we'll know if Dwayne Haskins is going to get the start against yeah. the New England Patriots. And uh, we'll have uh, more to preview with the Browns and the 49ers. Looking forward Monday. to it. Coming up. Though, 49ers are good. 49ers are good. That's your tease. Not as good as Ohio State. Spiel <laughs> says it might be the greatest team in Ohio yeah, State history. I'm, I'm waiting to be proven wrong, and I don't want to be proven wrong. And a, That sounds like a country and, song. And it does. And in the regular <laughs> season, you're not going to be proven wrong. So there we go. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, please review my podcast.com. Subscribe. Tell your friends about the podcast. We'd really appreciate that very, very much. Uh, everybody have a great, great 